Well, welcome to the Jesus Culture Podcast. Great to have you with us. We're actually taking just 12 sessions. We originally actually had called this the Jesus Culture Leadership Podcast. We morphed a little bit over the years. We've been going so long. Uh, but we're actually taking 12 of these uh, sessions and just talking leadership. And uh, if you've been with us, you know this, that we believe everybody's called to leadership and ultimately leadership is about influence and not just about influence, which everybody has, but about taking ownership of that influence. So my heart would be just to come alongside you and say, listen, you're a leader. Go, go get vision, go execute vision, embrace that call. Excited today to have with us a guest that I don't say this lightly. There's a handful of people that have influenced me at the level he has uh, in regards to my own personal life, in regards to leadership and the organization of Jesus Culture. He's been somebody that's done much, much training with us. So it's great to have Lyle Wells on with us. Lyle, thanks for jumping on and being part of the Jesus Culture podcast. What an honor. Uh, I'm in a, a hotel in Colorado Springs. So we're trying to keep uh, housekeeping out. Yeah. And uh, I just told them all, listen, I'm talking to one of the most important men on the planet. Just give me 30 more minutes before you come and clean my bathroom and make my bed. So, you know, I had to drop the banning card like I always do. Uh, done, done. Which is there anything worse than come back to your hotel room and not having it cleaned afterwards? I'm sure there are worse things in life for sure. That's a very exaggerated statement, but uh, uh uh, every time we go and speak, whenever we're on the road, and I come back and my bed's still not made, I'm like, oh. Although that's how it'd be in my house, so I don't know what I'm actually like disappointed with. Like this is what it'd be if I came home. Lyle, I want to. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about some things. Uh, I want to ask you a question, and then we're going to jump into the topic. But first, I do want to remind everybody that we Jesus Culture Podcast Network, Authentic You Man Camp, Jesus Culture Podcast, Sermon of the Week, Pastors Podcast, all of those we've partnered with World Vision. And uh, I just really felt early on that the Lord spoke to my heart about Jesus culture, that we were to use our influence any way we can to call people to take care of the poor, the earth. And so I am convinced that not all of us can be on the front lines. Not all of you can be in some of these impoverished places around the world on the front lines, uh, helping people get healthcare and food and, and clean water and just uh, where living uh, needs to improve. And so my challenge to everybody is partner with an organization that is on the front line. And so at Jesus Culture, we've done that and we're bringing the opportunity just to sponsor a child, to take care of a kid and help their life improve uh, just from sponsoring them. And there's a program called Chosen, which we'll give you a little more information in the middle of the podcast. Lyle, here's what I love having you on. You really are, uh, you know, there's guys that just specialize in things. Uh, leadership is what you do and you come alongside and help people improve in that area. But before we get into that, I just have to have this conversation because one of the reasons why we hit it off so well, even if we haven't seen each other a long time, we just hit it off right off the bat. And one of the reasons is because much like me, you are uber competitive. Uh, there's a handful of people in my life that I have met that are competitive like you. This is an honest, cause, cause, and I'm not even gonna make you tell the stories to prove my point. Everybody out there, you're just going to have to believe me when I say Lyle Wells is one of the, one of the most competitive people I've ever met. And, um, and I'm sure that you view the world, there are winners and there are losers, and you're going to be in one of those two categories. Here's the honest question I have for you. In all of your leadership stuff, in all of your growth, do you have to tone that thing back? Like how, how has that thing manifested? Listen, this is only gonna be for all the people out there that are like, I don't even know what you're talking about, competitive. For all the competitive, because a lot of leaders, man, they're driven that way. Have you found that that thing is like, especially in the kingdom, right? Especially in like these Christian circles. How, how have you found that competitive thing to be? Well, 
you know, one of the things that we teach Manning is clarity is a leader's best friend. And so what I've tried to do is just define, are we keeping score or not? Uh, because if we are, then there's a different, there's going to be a little different version of things. Uh, but, you know, I, I try to keep score a little bit less uh, than I used to. Uh, I don't compare. I don't That's compete. I, you know, ministries, we're, we're all on the same team is not the whole valley before <laughs> us. I mean, let's go, let's go get some lost people and teach them about Jesus. But if after we're done, we're going to go to a golf course, to a parking so- place and pick up basketball, uh, or, you know, we're doing a fun run and uh, there's a hundred yards left. I just might take off on you um, because I want to be the one gloating at breakfast. So yeah, if we're competing, that's it. Let's do it. My son was in second grade, so he starts playing basketball. He's a freshman now, but we started, you know, he started, he played one year of rec ball and then I couldn't handle anymore. He had to start playing actual travel competitive ball in third grade. But he's in second grade. We're kind of the coaches out there for this little team. They got lower hoops. You know, you've got kids out there who wear, you know, they've got their jersey on over a polo shirt. You know, like they, they it's just that type of like, they're just out there having fun. And, um, but they, but one of the rules was you couldn't keep score. And so I'm like, well, that's fine. But trust me on this. My wife is on the sideline and she is 100% keeping track of this score. There may not be a scoreboard up. She's 100% keeping track of the score and she's 100% keeping track of the the points my son has scored. So we would get in the car. It was just kind of like everybody wins. They're second graders. Like, does he can't, you know, and we get in the car. I'd be like, what was the score? What was the score? What it was just those things because there are the, the clarity is, uh, and and if you say are we keeping score or not, I may still keep score even if we're not in my head. Absolutely, and you know um, there's a time and a place to compete. I think that's why we're wired the way we are. If we're competing to advance a mission, then great. Um, totally. If it's competing to advance your identity because you're a little don't, bit older than, than when we first met Banning and, you know, you're not quite as athletic as you used to be, then, uh, you know, the truth. there's counselors for that. This is no joke. I, I started doing CrossFit a couple of years ago. My, one of my constraints is, would be just consistency. Like just st- being consistent is, is an issue. So always was having, you know, athletic when I was younger, but then, uh, you know, I took 15 years off of fitness besides pickup basketball because it just consistency was hard for me. Well, I finally found this CrossFit thing and what it's helped is with consistency that, you know, I, I, they got classes. I know the people there. I show up, they tell me what to do. I, I can come work hard for it, but I full on have had to turn off the competitive thing when I walk in those doors, like just, and, and, and not, I just have to. I'm in there and they are full blown. Like the, when I was first going, I could barely breathe. There were pregnant women running past me. I couldn't breathe. And now there are just people, there are women my age, you know, that I'm like, this is, let alone the guys that are just out everything. And I just have to completely turn it off. And this is what I do every time I'm in there and other people are like, so much better than me, so much stronger, so much everything else. I, in my head, just look around and go, I'm good at other things in life. <laughs> like I'm good at other things. I just, have you written a book? Cause I wrote a book. I wrote a book. I may not be living it, but I wrote a book. I'm like somehow trying to think of ways that I'm still winning in life. Cause at this moment I'm not. So 
Well, competitive issues. Hey, listen, we're going to jump in. We're actually going to be talking about teams today. Um, One of the things, uh, if you're going to be a leader, it means that you're going to have to both operate within and lead teams. You will never, I say this, you know, we say this a lot, that whatever vision God gives you, it is going to be dependent on other people being involved. And uh, God, I'd say rarely, if ever, gives you a vision that you can accomplish on your own. And uh, we are most effective when we're working in a team setting. And so I want to talk about that because I think that's something that trips a lot of people up. I think it hinders a lot of leaders who don't know how to operate on a team, don't know how to lead a team. So we're going to be talking about that with Lyle. Uh, First, though, I do want you to uh, just hear again, we talked about World Vision. And uh, I want you to hear this segment real quick, just talking about a little more about what's going on with World Vision. In the world's most fragile places, devastating aftershocks of the COVID-19 crisis are pushing families deeper into poverty, putting kids at greater risk of hunger, malnutrition, violence, and neglect. Child sponsorship is you making a decision to provide $39 a month for a child in their community in extreme poverty to provide the most basic necessities of life. But most importantly, you provide hope. It is one of the most effective ways to help the world's most vulnerable children in their communities address the impacts of this pandemic and lift themselves out of poverty for good, especially now. The reality is thousands of children are waiting to be sponsored. But what you don't know is everything is about to change. For the first time, World Vision is inviting you to empower a child through sponsorship. Yet instead of you choosing them, they choose you something no organization has ever done before. It doesn't matter who you are or where in the world you live, every single one of us wants to be seen, to be loved, to be chosen. Put the power to choose in a child's hands and give someone a chance to step into a life-changing relationship with you. Text PODCAST to 56170 and sponsor a child now. All right, well, listen, I told you how much we believe in World Vision and so many of these organizations out there, World Vision obviously being one of the one of the top ones. But we'd love for you to check them out. You can go to worldvision.org slash Jesus Culture and kind of get more information about Chosen and how to be involved in all that God's doing there. Lyle, here we are. We're talking about leadership. Um, I understand that not everybody is... Um, necessarily leading teams, or 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 they might be, but but uh, you know we're we're on a team, we're involved in teams, we're leading teams. But one of the things I find in leadership is that that one of the things that stops people the most is their inability to both operate within a team but lead a team. I remember for myself, I said this a lot as a young youth pastor. Um, uh, you know, my strengths are strategic and vision, and so I. I, I mean this, I literally had the best youth group in the nation on paper. On paper, it was innovative, it was exciting, it was strategic, it was fresh, it was new, but I could not figure out for the life of me how to get it from paper to actual reality. And as I look back, I realize because I didn't know how to lead a team, like that, in order to actually see that, that thing that I saw in my heart, the strategic, the vision, and I really mean this. I mean, we were mapping stuff out. I'm like, dude, this is incredible. I like, this is, a, this is a great, but the ability to actually execute that 
was because I just couldn't figure out how to lead a team. People were having a hard time hanging out with me, like it, the disc concept, you know, I, I'm a high ID guy. And so all the SCs of the world <laughs> just were shriveling up and dying around me, wouldn't last. I didn't even understand you, didn't have a value for you, all that type of stuff. In all of your experience working with leaders, can you just maybe, before we even talk about, just can you unpack how important it is to be able to work on a team and lead a team? Just like, why is that so important if you're actually going to be effective in what you're called to do as a leader? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things there, uh, Banning. You know, the first one is this. Um, God said, it's not good for man to be alone, right? It's the first time he says, it's not good. Yeah, wow. Uh, and so, you know, and then you look at Ecclesiastes and, you know, two are better than one. And so it's God's design. Um, and it's also the nature of our heart. You know, I say human beings are herd, H-E-R-D animals. We, yeah. we naturally look for reasons to connect. You know, you and I connected on basketball and competitive stories where we've embarrassed ourselves and our families <laughs> in competitive situations. And, you know, we built a brotherhood over that. You know, I'm getting ready to go, get on an airplane here in a couple hours. And, you know, that person I sit, sit next to is going to look for a connection. I mean, yeah, one yeah. of my favorite uh, seasons, you know, when I was a college basketball coach banning, I'd travel wherever I'd travel, I'd have team gear on, uh, to represent the school. And no matter who I sat next to on the plane, they'd be like, Oh, are, are you a basketball coach? And I'd be like, yeah, every guy banning every guy, they could be four eleven tall and four eleven wide. And they'd have to tell me about back in the day, totally. how 100%. they played. You yes, know? 100%. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> yeah, did you really? You know, I played a little ball back in the I day. I played a little ball. But, but we want we want to find reasons to connect. And um, I mean, that's the first thing is it's the way we're wired. I think the second thing is this, and, and you said it, you know, vision, a, a big vision is going to require multiple sets of giftings. And, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older, one of the things that I've come to understand is there's some things I'm really, really good at. And there's a whole subset of things I know nothing about, nor do I care to. What's amazing is that all of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the things that you and I hate to do, there are people that actually love doing that. Yeah, I mean, there are people that love Asana and work management systems. It's not even on my computer. Our entire team uses it. And they're like, yeah, totally. no, Lyle, it, you'll just get confused and bother us. So, you know, send us an email and we'll put it in Asana. But they love it. And, you know, they advance the ball so far down the field. Uh, so um, it's God's design. It's our heart. And we're never going to get where we want to go in a single set of giftings. So uh, this can be a really broad question. Why are people so bad at existing on teams? And why are some leaders so bad at leading teams? Because I really do think, I, I, will, I will say this right now. There's a few things that I think you will advance quickly in any situation you're in. In any situation, like whether you're in the church world, in, in secular world of, of organizations, if you know how to work well on a team and if you know how to lead a team well, if you know how to get them working together, if you know how to get them connected, if you know how to get them pointing in the right direction, if you like, and then if you can also, and again, you're the one that brought this up, you know, so much anxiety involved in this and therefore low productivity, a really broad question, why then, 
is this such a struggle for some people to both operate within a team, but then for some leaders to actually lead a team effectively? The most fundamental answer to that banning is that we're selfish. Mm, um, yeah. you know, psychologists will tell us that 85% of our waking thoughts are self-directed. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, it's it really is hard to be on a team when 85% of the time you're thinking, what's in it for me? How much work am I going to have to do? Why is he getting attention and I'm not? I mean, we're, we're at war with the flesh when it comes to this. I mean, think about it. In the Gospels, the disciples who spent the most time with Jesus were having arguments about who's going to be first in line. I mean, we're, we're selfish. The second thing is that we're not trained well in it. You mentioned your son's youth basketball experience. That's, you know, you said they said he was on a team, but he didn't have responsibilities. He didn't have accountability. He didn't have clarity of direction. And so healthy teams possess these three things. Number one, they, they have direction. They, they all are working towards a common goal. Um, you're a great visionary. And that's one of the reasons you've been successful with building teams is you can create a very specific direction. The second is that great teams have connection. Um, we find reasons to lock arms. You know, it's interesting when you watch a, a, a team being interviewed after a championship, they'll always say, hey, man, we, you know, we knew from the first day of training camp, we wanted to be standing here today holding this trophy, a championship or nothing. That was our motto. So they had direction. But then the next thing you'll hear them say is, you know, we're, you know, we're connected. We're unified. I mean, everybody on the team knew they had a role that mattered. Um, and then the third thing is there's great affection. They do truly and genuinely love and care for each other. So if you're on a team that's struggling, it's lacking direction, connection, or affection, or, you know, multiple of those. And, you know, we're, we're not trained well in that in anything that we do. Public school doesn't tr prepare yeah. us for that. Youth yeah. group doesn't prepare us for that. College doesn't prepare us for that. It's interesting, Banning. Um, there's a data uh, set that that looks at all the high school extracurricular activities, right? So you weren't you class president and you were on the basketball team and played all these sports. And um, it's interesting that the extracurricular activity in middle school and high school that most equates to adult success is high school band. Kids in high school oh my band, gosh. they have better marriages stay together. They have a higher median income. They, they tend to be in more leadership roles in their organizations. Oh my gosh. But think about it. When you're in a band, you're not going to be on the front page of the paper. So like those that you and I that yes. were athletes are always worried about whose clip is going to get on the news. The band doesn't get on the news. Right. So so there, there was one direction, um, but but if, if they could That's unify powerful. around, let's have a really good performance because there were there's no, you know, there's no all state That's individual incredible. band people. I know it's fascinating. Well, then connection, you know, in you know, by nature in a band, everybody knows what they're doing is different, but vital percussion, brass, woodwinds. In basketball, we all think we're shooters, right? <laughs> In baseball, we all think we should bat fourth. Um, and then affection, you, again, you know, the band kids typically hung out together because they weren't always the most popular kids in school. So they developed a deep bond. 
So it's it's just a fascinating look at no, that is what a really healthy so team looks interesting. like. So let me ask this then. Obviously, if you're leading a team, it requires you've got to go learn some of this stuff. I, I think it's just a recognition that I don't, this is why we even begin to bring you into our organization, our world, is because just realizing like, I don't, I don't know if I've ever learned this. I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, and I have to admit that. Um, and so I, I think if you're at the top, if you're, if you're actually leading a team, it's going to require real work from you to be able to grow in these areas, to go find the resources, to go get the people to come in. If you're on a team, what can you do? If you do all the stuff you described and you say, hey, I'm not leading the team, but I am on the team. What can they bring to help create the culture of that team that's going to be needed to, to be effective as we're talking about? So I, I think there's a couple of things. Number one is, um, you know, you can lead by example. Uh, we say culture are the behaviors that you teach, tolerate, emulate, and celebrate. So if you want to have, you know, if you want to be on a team that works real hard, uh, it takes great pride in your productivity, then be the hardest worker. You know, set set that tone. Start to start to make that a standard in your culture. And I think the other thing that you can do is really work hard at building some of those relationships. It doesn't mean everybody on the team's your best friend, but they but make sure everybody on that team feels valued, that they feel connected, um, that you know, at, at in the right way, that they're celebrated. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of great teams that work from the inside out. You know, a lot of, you know, I've seen a lot of athletic teams that have overcome the constraints of their coaches. Um, and mm. some would say maybe some of my teams overcame the constraints of its <laughs> coach. But it's, you know, it's when you create that strong core, you model it and then you build those relationships. And the other thing, and this is really hard, but start to, to set standards, be asked to be held accountable and hold other people accountable. I'm gonna. I want to shift gears just a little bit because, um, well, I've got you on here. Uh, you work with an organization called Integris. Can, can you just describe what that is briefly? Uh, would you call it? Is it consulting? Is it training? Uh, uh, we use it. I, it's like yeah. we're we're one of the people <laughs> that access it. But is, is it a consultancy training? How do you describe it? You know, I, I would say you know. Coaching. Coaching. There we go. Uh, I'm not a fan of the word consultant because a consultant implies, hey, I come in, sprinkle some pixie dust, and then I step out, and you've been consulted now and you're on your own. Feels like the best job ever. Those guys make a lot of money. Yeah. And and have zero accountability. Totally. Zero accountability. Totally. Like the only job better is being a weatherman. <laughs> you work five minutes at a time and there's zero accountability. Uh, totally. Think about that. Right? I mean, I live in South Central Texas. I could say it's going to snow Tuesday as a weatherman. Um, and I still have a job. Yes, anyway, totally. we digress. Totally. Uh, so, so, but we coach because we care deeply about the people that we serve. I mean, you know, there's no bigger fans of Jesus culture than Integris. And so we want to walk with people, but ultimately, Banning, what we do is we help leaders and their teams align their behaviors with their desired outcomes. So, you know, I'll, I'll give you a great example. You know, my wife and I, uh, we're, you know, we're not afraid to eat a little sugar. We don't mind the occasional Chips Ahoy or Hershey bar or bag of potato chips. And uh, our daughter's getting married here in a few weeks. And so a couple of months ago, my wife says, hey, listen, I want us to get in the best shape of our lives. Pictures last forever. Uh. I, you know, I want to feel great. 
uh, on the wedding day when we walk our daughter down the aisle. And I'm like, good, I'm in. Uh, so I open up the pantry and I'm like, you know, this pantry doesn't align with our stated goal. We say we want to be in the best shape in our lives and everything in this pantry is the enemy of that. Uh, but, you know, in a lot of the organizations we go into, Banning, they'll say they want something, but all of their yeah, behaviors, man. their priorities, their budgets don't align to what they say they really want. And so we help people do that with their behavior and with their systems. Here's the question I would ask, because uh, this is kind of the, this is what you do. In our pursuit to grow, so I, I think it has to start there. I think whoever's listening, well, I'm assuming if you're listening right now, you have a passion to grow. I'm assuming you're not listening right now because you got nothing else to do and you just want a, some background noise, although possibly that could be going on as well. But you know, you're listening right now because you have a passion to grow. I think it's required. I think it's one of the qualifications of leader. You yourself have said the minute you stop uh, growing as a leader, you're disqualified as a leader. Literally quoted you yesterday on that, Lyle. But um, so in your passion to grow, uh, but we still feel stuck sometimes. So obviously we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and transformation and, and, and the Holy Spirit leading us. But, but it's also interesting of how important it is to bring in outside people. Uh, maybe not somebody that you're hiring to come in, but, but, but whether you're an organization wanting to grow, whether you're a, an individual person wanting to grow, can you talk about why it's important to actually get some outside uh, kind of influence on that? Does that, make, does that make sense, the question I'm asking? Because sometimes we're trying to figure out things and it's that outside voice that seems to be able to help. Would you address that or why that's important to invite that in? Well, I think there's two reasons it's important. Number one is um, we need other perspectives in our life. We can become very tunnel visioned, very complacent with, hey, I'm comfortable with who I am. And um, so so that's number one. But but number two is, again, it, it goes back to that that idea that it's not good for man to be alone. It's, you know, so there are five voices, you know, types of people that I think every one of us should have in our lives. Banning, we need truth tellers. We need people who are going to say things that we don't want to hear and ask us questions that we aren't really comfortable answering. You don't need a ton of those, but you need three or four people that have the permission to challenge you constantly. And you and I know we work with a lot of ministry leaders. There's a lot of ministry leaders who don't have those people in their vo- in their life, and and they're setting themselves up for a, a potentially a very hard fall. So we need truth tellers. The second thing we need is teachers. There are people that are smarter than us. You know, one of our you know we call them tweets or tattoos, but we say if you're the smartest person in the room, go get in another room. Mm. You know, I mean, I was you know just telling you earlier, I was with uh, some leaders this morning here in Colorado Springs that have a vision. That, I mean, they are taking the top off of the thinking on what mission means and how to serve people. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. You know, I mean, it's embarrassing. They invited me in and I'm the one taking notes. Yeah. Uh, So we need teachers. We need truth tellers. We need trustees. You're a verbal processor. Uh, A lot of us are. We need people that we can dream with that aren't going to judge us, that can maybe help us shape an idea, but we need somebody we feel safe enough to talk, you know, I mean, some of our greatest dreams and some of our biggest fears. We need tank fillers. We need people that make us laugh. I mean, Banning, every time I'm with you, I leave more encouraged than when I came. You're a tank filler for me. And then we need Timothys. We need to be pouring into the next generation 
as well. So truth tellers, teachers, trustees, tank fillers, and Timothys, that those are the people we need around us that will help give us the clarity, right? And the encouragement moving forward. All right, listen, uh, we're going to wrap up pretty quick. This is now I'm just going to fire some stuff at you real quick. Uh, top three books you would recommend for people to read? Obviously, you have no idea what situation they're in. <laughs> just top three books, though, that you'd be like, hey, you got to, th- this would be a book you need to read. I would say for a leader, uh, I love The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. Yes. Um, I think that really helps you think through some of those critical why questions. Um, I love Culture Code because um, I love the universal application of some of its principles, whether you're, you know, jewelry thieves or the San Antonio Spurs or whatever. Um, I, I would say uh, the third book, it's Proverbs. Like, I just can't yeah. emphasize enough. If you're a leader, spend a chapter a day in Proverbs. There is so much great common sense there. But, um, I, I, you know, the other one that I would say just from a, from a, um, a perspective, I really loved building the story brand, uh, by Donald Miller because yeah. it talks about the hero's journey. There's a hero, they have a problem. Um, and then they find a guide in banning. I will tell you the number one problem with teams is the leader of the team thinks they're the hero mm-hmm. and they don't understand that they're the guide. And I, the, it, it is the root cause of it's every powerful. dysfunctional team on the planet. The leader thinks they're the hero and the organiz- and the team is there for their success, not the leader is there for the team's success. I'm looking around the room. Kingdoms and empires. I'm looking around the room right now, seeing if anybody on the team is nodding in agreement with you or not on this thing. Like, I just uh, are they are they nodding in agreement that this is who they're working for? Or what's happening here? Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> I heard three hearty amens. I'm just saying. So, <laughs> hey, listen, we actually I actually first met you interestingly enough um, because I read Flip Flippin's book, which I always have to qualify. Yes, Flip Flippin wrote a book called The Flip Side. And uh, years ago, I read it, and it was really impactful in my life. It's talking about constraints, which I would just encourage you, go get it, the flip side. Um, it's talking about constraints, and, and uh, I read it, helped me as a leader, helped me as a father, helped me as a man. And then, and then I ran into Flip in, in London, speaking at Hillsong, and just said, thank you so much. And he ended up pointing me towards you. Um, but, but it was interesting, because I just actually, it's funny that we're talking about books right now, because about, I just sent that book to a missionary friend of mine who had called me with some questions about how he was interacting with his daughter and some stuff. And I just said, you need to read a book. And he just texted me. He said, dude, I, he goes, my eyes are so open right now. He's super humble. He's super hungry. Like he's a, he's a tender moldable guy, you know, but oh my gosh, it's just profound just to see the impact that book's having on him right now and uh, just how hungry he is. So I appreciate you sharing kind of some of those books. Um, Listen, Lyle, how do people find out, uh, how do they connect to you? Which by the way, before I ask how they connect to you, because you're going to mention social media, uh, Lyle, since I've known you, you've upped your social media game. I gotta, I gotta say, you've, you've upped your so you, your team, somebody has upped your social media game. There's things I'm wanting to repost now. There's things I'm wanting to retweet now. There's things I come on. Do you even care about that world at all? It's like a necessity. You have to in order to be in this. But I'm always like my team's like you got to do more on social media. I'm like ah, I don't even ah. Either way, you've upped your game. 
Well, I've, I've got some phenomenal people uh, that have helped me a great deal. But, you know, Benning, it's it's not a world that I live in. You know, I'm I don't need to take a picture of what I eat. I don't think anybody really cares what basketball shoes I'm wearing today. But um, it goes back to that idea of growth. Right. Yeah. And, you know, this is, you know, as a leader, you want to influence people. And this is the way that people are being yeah. influenced right now. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a solid C minus, but Uh, it's um, uh, the content, the content is a great improvement. The content's a plus what, um, how do they, how do they find you on social media? And then how do they find more of what you're doing and how they can connect to that? Well, I I think a couple of things, uh, Instagram and Twitter at lead with Lyle, um, you know, our website, Integris, I N T E G R U S.org. Um, and I, and banning either, uh, I think it's going to be in the show notes uh, with you, uh, but um, I've got a book coming out called The Five Day Leader. Wait, hold on a second. When's this book coming out? Well, we don't we don't know because we were going to self publish, and now you know this world. Now there are some people interested in publishing. Okay, it. well, listen, so I may really have to have you fun. back on. I would have led with this whole thing. We would have helped get the word out a little bit about the Five Day Leader. Give me the quick elevator pitch on the five Five Day Leader. Well. All leaders do these three things. They have a relentless commitment to growth. They have ridiculous routines and they have resilient relationships. The five-day leader is we take each weekday and give you a challenge in each of those three areas. So we have Move the Needle Monday and Tough Tuesday. So it's just leadership behaviors that will help grow you and grow your team. They're fun little things for those of us that are a little bit competitive. That's but, awesome. But um, I recorded a course with John Bevere uh, and my teammate, Meredith King, at Messenger. And the first two courses are going to be offered to anybody off on the podcast for free. There's going to be some link or something posted. Awesome. So they can w- start to watch the course. The course is available right now. Come on. You can get it at our website, but the book will be done and out sometime um, in the next several months. I love it. Come yeah. on, Lyle. That's awesome. So, All right. Well, make sure you check that out. We'll let you know more about how to get to that stuff as well as congratulations on that book coming out. Lyle, thanks for sitting down with us. Always rich. It really is. I'm not just saying that. Always rich. Always walk away. You. I've never sat down with you and not walked away with something. So sure appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Hey guys, listen, as we sign off today, make sure again, you check out World Vision and uh, anywhere you listen to the podcast, press like, press stars or comment or review or whatever else you do out there in podcast land. It was great hanging with you. We'll be back again 